Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Amen. Well, I, last time I talked, which seems like 14 years ago now, because I've chosen having Pastor Steve with us and what have you, I, I began um, a, a teaching on deception. Um, because of the things I've been seeing, because of the day we live in, so I want to continue along that line. And I've got, honest to God, I could teach for many, many hours on this topic, but we're just going to go. And to read the pastoral epistles over and over again is one thing that I teach all the pastors that I work with. And uh, it's just one of those things that will help anybody and everybody that calls themselves a Christian to continue to read over and over again the first, second Timothy, Titus, for that matter, Ephesians. Ephesians is actually a pastoral epistle. But nevertheless, there's just much truth there. But I wanted to just talk some more about this issue. And I want you to see in the pastoral epistles how much God speaks through Paul about what it means to avoid things that bring division. Now, I had this statement, I think, I, I, from the last time I spoke. I know I, I mean, let me just quote a bit of it. Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Don't turn there because we're going to turn in First Timothy. But in Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4 is where he said that in these last days, he said, people will have itching ears. They'll always be looking and wanting and searching for some new revelation. And they'll always be trying to find teachers. I love the fact in the Amplified, I teach from the Amplified for any of those that don't know. But he said they're going to consistently look and try to find teachers to foster the errors that they hold. Very simply, in other words, if somebody has made a decision to believe something, well, this is one of the ways you recognize a true Christian, not being mean. But a true Christian, if you, if a father, if, if you have a father in the faith, the way you recognize a father, the way I recognize my fathers in the faith, were that, you know, they taught me all they could teach me, all that I would present myself available to receive. But the love that they had for me was so extreme that if I got into confusion or whatever, if I came back to them, I will put it this way. I knew I always had the freedom to come and talk to them. Uh, and I knew I needed to come and talk to them because I, you know, I recognized they're the guy that's been teaching me. They're the person whose doctrine I've been, they've been, you know, pointing me constantly to the word of God to find it out for myself. But let's face it, in the earth right now, there's all manner of deception, all different kinds of cults, all kinds of information coming across. And we all know Jesus said in the last days, there's going to be many false prophets he spoke again of what? He spoke of wolves in sheep's clothing. And what that when you think about the basic, again, of that statement, wolves in sheep's clothing. In other words, they're wolves, but they're going to look just like sheep. And uh, speaks about how to discern, how to judge prophecy. There's all manner of stuff we talked about, but again, just itching ears. But let me just make this statement I wrote down on my notes. You know, deception always leads to division which leads to delusion, which leads to disruption, moral disruption, but finalizes in destruction. I'm not trying to be clever by a bunch of Ds, but when I was studying this out, that's just what came to me. Deception will lead to division, which will bring delusion, which will disrupt your entire life, and ultimately you can be destroyed by virtue of believing a lie. And you know, you've, my, one of my life scriptures is there in Second Thessalonians, where again, you've heard me teach it a thousand times, where God says that if people continue 
to not acknowledge the truth. If people fail to consistently acknowledge the truth, my word is truth. Jesus said his word is truth. I've made the choice to believe that. But Paul said in Thessalonians, he said that if people continue to say no to the truth, to the simplicity of God's word, if they continue to say no to the truth, God will give them over to a spirit of delusion whereby they will believe a lie and be damned for it. Now the thing about that again, forgive me for repeating myself, but the thing that hit me so strong many years ago in my Christianity was just that truth, to really understand that if you believe a lie, if you believe it, it's truth to you. Of course, right? But think about that. It's truth to you. So it's very difficult to quote-unquote discuss, much less debate. We don't debate. That's not what we do in Christianity. But it's difficult because if somebody believes a lie, like I said, it's truth to them, and they will do their utmost to live according to the definitions that they've accepted. Amen? Amen? So it can become very, very much a pride issue. You're very proud of what you think you know. You're very proud of the definition that you hold. But again, we all know that pride goes before fall, a haughty spirit. And the only way you keep from that is by consistently, again, humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God, by always returning to God's word, always returning to God's word, and always asking yourself, the spirit, does what I'm hearing line up? With the spirit of the word. Another verse that I love is when Paul said, I thank God that he's made me an able minister of the spirit of the New Testament, not the letter, because the letter killeth, but the spirit bringeth life. That is so profound. You could teach on the truths in that for a year. You can be so right that you're wrong. Do you know what I mean? He said, again, that you can believe a truth, believe a lie and be damned for it. So when you approach people and you can sense that they're actually in deception, all you can do, your opinions do no good, but all you can do is point them back to the scripture. Like Paul says, peradventure that they might recover themselves from the snare of the devil who takes them captive at his own will. We as teachers of the Bible, it says teachers, we have to be apt to teach patient, instructing those who oppose themselves. Hear that? They oppose themselves. In other words, they are their own worst enemy. And we have to be patient, instructing those who oppose themselves that peradventure they might acknowledge the truth and recover themselves from the paw of the enemy who has been taking them captive at his own will. So again, there's only one solution to staying free, and that is, again, it's, I'm sorry, there's no shortcuts, that's staying in this book. And I don't know how long it's been since I've said it, but remember something I've taught my students forever, you spend 80% of your time in the New Testament. You don't spend your whole life studying the Old Covenant, because it's the Old Covenant, and the New Covenant is simply a whole lot better. Amen? So I'm just, like I said, there's so much going on in the earth. I could talk about cults. We could talk about all kinds of things. But I just want to show you some things in context. So for, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, I'm going to start at the end of chapter 3 in verse 15. 
I'll start in verse 14 for you guys who want to throw the scripture. First Corinthians, first, I'm sorry, first Timothy 3.14. Paul said, although I hope to come to you before long, I am writing these instructions to you so that if I am detained, you may know how people ought to conduct themselves in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar, the stay, the prop, and the support of the what? Truth. I hope wherever you go to church that they preach from the Bible. Now, you might laugh at that. I, you know, I was itinerated for over 18, 20 years, I guess it was, going from church to church. Let me tell you, there's a whole lot of churches out there that do not use the Bible. And you think that's insane, but I'm telling you, they don't. They'll speak to a portion, but they don't read. They don't, they don't help you study the scriptures for yourselves. And I'm just saying, again, the entrance of God's word brings light. It brings understanding to the simple. We need God's word to shed light upon our path. Thy word, O Lord, is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Verses that hopefully you've grown up with if you're a Christian. But think about it. It's knowing God's word that allows light to be in front of you so that you don't stumble in the darkness. Hallelujah. So he says, let me start this. So the church is the pillar of the state, the prop and the support of the truth. Verse 16 Paul says, and great and important and weighty, we confess, is the hidden truth, the mystic secret of godliness. He, God, was made visible in human flesh. Think about that. God was made visible in human flesh, justified and vindicated in the Holy Spirit, was seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up into glory. Verse 1 of the next chapter. But the Holy Spirit distinctly and expressly declares. I want to tell you something. If you are a kind of guy that looks at lexicons, this is the verse that will get you. Because, you know, anytime the Holy Holy spoke, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit speaks. Anytime the Holy Spirit speaks, I would would, uh, offer you this consideration that it's probably pretty important. Anytime God's Holy Spirit speaks. But Paul says something there. He said, now the Holy Spirit distinctly and expressly, and it speaks about the strength, the heavy weight of the presence of God upon this truth that the Holy Ghost was revealing to Paul. And of course he said, but the Holy Spirit distinctly and expressly declares that in latter times, the last days which were in. Some will turn away from the faith, right? Giving attention to deluding and seducing spirits. And this used to correct me. I mean, I never forget when I first read this. They're going to turn away from the faith, giving attention to deluding and seducing spirits and doctrines that demons teach. And I always remember stopping right there all those years ago. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Demons have doctrines. Demons have doctrines that oppose the true doctrine. Hmm. But he said, again, the Spirit of God was speaking expressly, strongly about this, that you have to be on your guard. And actually, he gives a couple of, in the next verse, verse 2 says, through the hypocrisy 
and the pretensions of liars. Well, let me read the whole thing in context. Forgive me. But the Holy Spirit distinctly and expressly declares that in latter times some will turn away from the faith, giving attention to deluding and seducing spirits and doctrines that demons teach through the hypocrisy and the pretense, pretensions of liars whose consciences are seared, cauterized. King James says, as with a hot iron. And you, you got to think about what that means. All through Hebrews, in fact, several places in the scripture, you'll find the statement, harden not your heart, as in the day of provocation. Don't harden your heart. I've done this all the time. But how many of you know what a callus is? Anybody here ever worked with a demonic tool called a shovel? <laughs> many, many years ago, like I said, when my dad was a building contractor, like, you know, you've heard me tell stories. He'd get us out there in that hot California sun, 105 degrees, digging ditches. You know, we'd be digging foundations. And when you use that horrible tool, you develop things on your hands called calluses. And, of course, when we were kids, it may sound corny, but, you know, all the big deal was always taking a little straight pin out of mom's sewing basket, and we'd stick pins in those calluses because you can't feel anything, right? I know that. How many of you women did that? I just want to see if anybody was that weird. Oh, Anne did. Sorry. <laughs> Anne put her hand up real, real quietly, like South Africans do. But, you know, do you know what I mean? It basically, and he says, and you know, the Bible talks about people. And I think about that. He said who's, their consciences, their ability to hear, to listen, to be corrected, to receive counsel. Something happens where they make a decision. Let me tell you, all deception comes from a decision. You choose to begin another direction. You choose to go in another way. You do. Somebody makes a choice. But this is why, again, we have to stay in the Word again. It's just all this truth because, again, the Bible says, if you stay in the Word, that God will grant you divinely directed decisions. But nevertheless, conscience is seared with a hot iron. And it speaks about the fact that you harden your heart. If you keep saying no to truth, that you Harden your heart. In other words, there's a place in the human spirit where you no longer, you make a choice, you no longer allow God to speak to you there. You've made a decision. It's no big deal to smoke pot. It's no big deal. And you know what? The truth of the matter is, like I said years ago too, you know, in the natural smoking, it's not that pot is such a big deal. But the attitude, see, God is a God, he's a spirit. God's, when God speaks, he's a spirit. Spirit speaks to spirit. Spirit doesn't speak to brain. But the attitude, the moment you adopt an attitude where it's okay for me, well, I'm cool. And you know, a drink once in a while is no big deal. In other words, you know, I got a little high, but it was all no big deal. No. The thing about even wine, when I came over here 30, 31, 32 years ago, I mean, I, you know, I come from the States and the people I came with, you know, if a preacher back in those days, a preacher had a glass of wine, basically, you're going to hell, straight to hell. <laughs> but the point of the matter is, you know, let me just say this about drinks, about anything. You know, let's just say drink, wine or whatever, and don't anybody panic. Shut the doors, like I said. <laughs> Especially where's Lucy and all those people that are in that video. Her, her, <laughs> her, her, that last song they did in the offering, Heartbeats, that she wrote and when you see the video of it, you know, they're all sitting there tipping back, you know, fort to... 
knocking back the wine, champagne glasses. Tell you, it's cold. One, it's one thing to get busted, but to make a video doing something. <laughs> tell you what, man. You know. Uh, but you know, you know in your own spirit, don't you? You know if you want to get a buzz. Do you know what I mean? You know. You know. The real you, the inner man, the hidden man of the heart, you know if you're trying to get somewhere that you ought not go. That's all I'm saying. But I'm not going to belabor that because, again, we, you know, we're not legalists. You know, I believe in the grace of God. But at the same time, what am I supposed to do? Paul says all over the place, basically in the, in the pastoral epistles, that as a good minister of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are to warn our people, that we're to speak to our people about these things, that we're continually supposed to put their pure minds in way of remembrance by speaking these things over and over again. All I know is this, deception is deadly and there's a whole lot of people being deceived. And there's people even within our church, few people in our church that are going away that is very, very funky, very bad. I mean, really, and it just, it sh shakes me to my core to think that somebody can be that deceived that seem to be that much in love with Christ. But the point of the matter is we win people back by, the only thing we can do is offer them truth in love. You know what I mean? That's all. But I'm telling you, I just want you to be aware of what's going on. Now, he said consciousness. So in other words, and this is the thing about when you harden your heart. Remember, people don't go to hell for sin. So that's why we don't preach sin. We preach grace because grace is the empowerment to say no to sin. Nobody, like I said a thousand times, nobody stops sinning because you stare at them and scream at them and say, you better stop sinning, you dirty dog, you. You don't have to tell them that. They already know that. The Bible says you're not qualified to talk to people about sin until first you've shared with them about grace. Until you really talk to him about the grace of God. Because it says again, grace is the empowerment to say no to sin. You harden your heart. And what happens is in that one little area where you just keep saying no. Bless God, no. I don't care what anybody says. I can go out, you know, a good looking girl, good looking guy. I can go out with unsaved guys. It's no big deal. In fact, I'll probably get them saved. And like I said before, no, you what you will. You will get them in their back seat. That's all. No offense. And the same thing with guys. I'm going to go out with this beautiful chick because she's awesome, whatever. But is she saved? No, well, no, she's not saved. And you say, well, that's too much. That's legalism. No, no, no. You see, this is what I mean. At some point, you make the decision to believe this book and you realize that's not law. That's wisdom. It says you have to really know. You have to be mature in Christ before you can really handle being around a lot of sinners. Now, I've told my story many times. You know, I was a heroin addict for many, many years. You know, spent my... spent you know, a bunch of time in prison. And I always told you, like when I got saved through the ministry of Teen Challenge, I come out and I was the, my very first visit when I've been there six months. Remember I told you this, the very first visit, I thought, wow. And there was two old friends of mine that were one, they were one, Russell Cole, I never, don't need to tell their name, What's well, whatever. They're dead now, sadly. But I went and I, I heard, I got, I came back to my hometown and they told me that Russell and David, these two friends of mine, that they were, they'd been, the cops were after them, they'd, robbed 135 McDonald's restaurants up and down Southern California. And, you know, they were armed robbers. They were tough guys. And, you know, the cops couldn't find them. But, you know, when you, were, when you used to live that life and you're one of the guys, I knew where to find them. And so I found them because I wanted to tell them about Jesus. You know what I mean? I wanted to tell these people about Jesus. I mean, God's turned my whole life around. You know, I'm this wannabe gangster in and out of prison. Everybody knows me, blah, blah, blah. These guys, you know, they knew who I was. They would believe what I said. So I'm going to go in there and I'm talking to them and I find them and they're cooking some heroin. 
and they're listening to me. I'm saying, you know, this stuff is real, guys. This Jesus stuff is real. I mean, it's changed my life. And they said, really? And, they said, and then, you know, they were talking to me straight. And Russell in particular said, Ron, he said, that's incredible, man. He said, you know, he said, I'd never believe that bunk. But he said, if you're, if this is changing you, he said, I'm going to have to listen. And I remember, and then he just like, just second nature, hands me the belt. I threw it around my arm and he said, you want to get high? And I did just, and I'm talking to my cry. I threw that belt around my arm. I pulled that belt tight. I took that syringe, that needle, and I went, even, I mean, just like, it was so quick. <laughs> I, you know, it just like, it was, I want to say second nature, but it wasn't, it was just devil nature. <laughs> but I mean, because my flesh had been highly trained for many, many years as a heroin addict. And I was around it, and it was just something you smell the sulfur. The moment when you're held, the moment you hear somebody lights a match, you smell that sulfur. You think smack. You think heroin because it was lighting it and burning stuff under a spoon. But I mean, and I did that, and I pulled the needle on my arm, and I said, I, I, I just was in shock. And I looked at him and said, I, 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 I got to go. And I remember, I ran outside. I got in my my uh, mom's car, and she'd loan me to go around, drive over there. And I drove like two blocks and I just stopped and I put my head in the wheel and I was crying and I was sobbing like a baby. I mean, I just hated myself. Didn't even get high. Sorry. <laughs> but I mean, I hated myself. God, how could I do this? Because I actually believed at that point. I believed in Jesus. I'd seen what he'd done. I'd gone into Teen Challenge, like I said, with a, a huge habit of heroin. I mean, huge. I'd been through, like I said, withdrawals, real withdrawals before. And like I said, with the horrific things that happen, what comes out of your mouth and stuff, pieces of meat, your intestine. And I knew that. And I went to Teen Challenge, like I said, and these guys prayed over me the second, the first day I was there. Are you addicted? Do you need to go to LA for, to dry out? I said, oh no, I'm cool. You know, cause you're, you lie. <laughs> but they prayed over me, like I told you. And I laid there for the next four days waiting to be sick because I was trying to protect my reputation. That's how stupid you are when you're in sin. But I mean, I'd seen God. I knew what should have happened to me, but God had healed me. I never had one withdrawal. Now, you don't, that may be like I said to you before, that may not be any big deal to you. But when you'd been through what I'd been through, you're going, what on earth is happening? Something has happened. These people have prayed for me. I've been strung out for 12 months straight. I was always the guy with the stuff, never had to chase, shoot as much heroin as I wanted. I was stone cold hooked. I was stone, I knew if I stopped for like if in seven hours, I was going to be very, very sick. And nothing happened at all. But what I'm saying all about that again is just this. You see, when you're really, really young in the Lord, you better be careful about where you go. Because you may think you're the one with the influence. But until you mature in the things of God, I guarantee you that old influence, that stuff, you can be wrapped into a tight knot in a New York second. If you don't know that you know that you know that you know what you believe. You hear me? You really have to watch out who you hang around with, basically. It's really, really dangerous. So consciences, you've got to find, you've got to know if you've hardened your heart in your heart, this is why, again, you bow to the truth and you say, Father, forgive me, you know, sensitize my heart afresh sensitize my heart afresh. And you've got to be quick, quick to repent. You hear me? Quick to repent. But I'm talking about deception, like I said. Now, turn in First Timothy, I want to, since we're still there, turn to chapter 6, right next door. Like I said, I'll see what I can get. And I just want you, I wish 
to a degree I could wish I could read all of first and second Timothy because again it's important to see that this is a home how often Paul says these things about who you hang around with and what have you but in first Timothy 6 he, well let me just I'm going to start in verse 3 and it says but if anyone but um well, let me just start but if anyone teaches otherwise and does not assent to the sound and the wholesome messages of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and the teaching which is in agreement with godliness and piety towards God, verse 4, then if that's the case, he is puffed up with pride, stupefied with conceit, although he is woefully ignorant. He has, this is what I've met so many people that are in this verse or in this statement. They have a morbid fondness for controversy. I don't believe I just said that. Controversy. Forgive me, Lord, I anglicized the word. They have a morbid fondness for controversy and disputes and strife about words, which result and produce envy, jealousy, quarrels, dissension, abuse, insults, slander, base, base suspicions, Verse 5, and protracted wrangling and wearing discussion and perpetual friction among men who are corrupted in mind and bereft of the truth. In this case, it says, who imagine that godliness or righteousness is a source of profit, a money-making business, a means of livelihood from such withdrawal. Like I said, there's many things you can teach you, but I want you to catch what he's saying. He said there are people... Somehow, they just have this something. They're always looking for something else to major on. And, I, you know, guys, listen, you, understand, you have to know how Satan works. I mean, next Sunday, probably I'll get to the whole thing about, you know, in Corinthians where it talks about where Paul says, again, beware of the subtlety of the devil. You know, don't let your minds be corrupted away from the simplicity that's in Christ. And we'll go through those word definitions again. But you've got to understand something. Anything, if the end result of something that you're really getting interested in destroys peace among men or brings division among men, I'm telling you right now, it isn't God. It's the gospel of peace. I said it's the gospel of peace. See what, again, remember the major distinctive, the major distinctive of real Christianity is the peace and the, the love. But remember you don't, I see, I can't teach the whole love walk again. We're not talking about some worldly definition of love. Ooey, gooey, kissy, wissy, wissy. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the greatest force that's in existence because God is this stuff called love. I mean, the real stuff. Let me tell you something. The real love is not afraid of anything. Real love never gets offended. Real love, real love is always real truth because God is love, God is truth. So love is truth. Anything that's not love is a lie. Protracted wrangling, bereft of truth, having itching ears, Always looking for something else. Don't you know that's the devil's DNA? 
get you so caught up. And I've said this that time, but I wish I could just scream at man or else take an axe, cut it, split your head right down the center and pour the truth in there. All deception has truth in it. Give me a break. And these people that will talk to me and say, well, but this is true. Listen to what he said. Look at that. That's true. And I'll say, well, of course it is. But this is poison. And they'll get, but they'll get stuck on the fact, but this is truth. If it's going to create distance between you and I, it's not the love of God. Did you really hear what I just said? If it promotes distance, you better be concerned. This is why, again, you can be so right you're wrong. This is why, again, Paul said even the world speaks ill of us because of our problems between ourselves and the body of Christ, the church. The Baptists say this, the Pentecostals say that, these say this, these say that. You either be baptized all the way in water, no, you just need to be sprinkled. You need to be Jesus only. You need to be this. You need to lay hands this way. No, you need to lay hands this way. You need to lay hands that way. You need to sing all slow songs. You need to sing all fast songs. You need to... And we, we, sadly, like I said, the church is evil spoken of by virtue of those things because we don't even, we don't, we've, we've missed the big picture. We've strained at a gnat somewhere and we've lost the big picture, the wisdom. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. The word wisdom there, remember, is Sophia. Hi, Sophie. And Sophia is the Greek word that means wisdom. It means the big picture, though, is what it means. It says you need to always be looking at the big picture. You don't, it's like a chessboard. The pawns. Satan wants you constantly focused on the pawns. But the Bible says, beware of the stratagem of the devil. The word is just that, strategies. 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 We got to go over this again and again. He has strategies. He comes to you in three major ways that Jesus was tempted with. Same thing that's spoken of in the book of James is in the Gospels. The pride, excuse me, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the three temptations of Christ. Every single one of those are the three major fields that all temptation fall into. Hallelujah. But, but like I said, he comes to steal. And he'll come masquerading as an angel of light, it says in other parts of the word. But again, all real deception has got truth in it. The greater the deception, more often, the more truth it has within it. And you just, you got to get it through your head. And people say, well, what do I do, get fearful? No, you don't get fearful, you get loveful. I'm not trying to be corny, you stay in God's word. Please hear me. You can't read the book once every three weeks and hope to be definitive when it comes to spiritual attack. Like an old minister friend of mine said all those years ago, he said, if there's any good thing you can say about the devil is that he's a consistent old cuss. He's on his job 24 hours a day, whether we are or not. He is called the great deceiver. And one of the things in this nation in particular that he loves the most because this nation prides itself on its intellect. You know, when again, there's a whole other study we did once years back, but you know, they still consider in the world, you know, some of the finest areas of academia are where? It's in England, Cambridge, Oxford, and so on. 
you know, those are the seats of knowledge that are considered to be the highest in the world in many areas. So intellectualism in in and of itself, you know, can become an idol. It can become a god unto you. And this, this is what happens over here. People begin to reason against the truth. Because it's embarrassing for us who have an education, any form, any level. We hate it when we can't perfectly explain something that we believe. You know what I mean? We want so desperately to be able to so define, make it so clear that you fully understand why I believe what I believe. Right? And that's humanly, that's human wisdom. And you can see it's understandable. That's logic. Of course, you know, there's a part of us in, in lower things and earthly things. We want people to understand. And so we do our best to help them understand why we think like we think. But what do you do? When you go back to God's word, he says, don't lean to your own understanding, but acknowledge me in all your ways, and I will direct your paths. And and this is why, you know, Julie and I were counseling with a guy that's left the church about five years ago, an incredible leader, young man. But now he doesn't even believe that, he doesn't believe Jesus. He doesn't even believe, he believes the Bible's not the Bible. He just doesn't believe it anymore. His father's a pastor. But he says, you know, I've been around all my life. I just haven't seen anything. To me, it's not even, it's just not real. And he's, you know, he's a great guy, kind, where he's talking in loving terms. That's why I come see you. And Julie said, I love you guys. And I said, well, you know, if you're coming here, you know what we stand for. So there's still something in you, (laughs) you know. But it's like they get to the place where... (laughs) They want to understand. And it's the basic premise of Christianity, my friends. The just shall live by something called faith. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is not a comprehension or an understanding. You hear me? Faith is a choice. I've made my choice. Faith does come by hearing. But see, they want you to, they want to bring, well, they say they don't, but they want persuasion. And again, I wish, I'm not the one that said this first, but again, it's so true. The Bible was never meant to be explained. It was meant to be believed. All through it. He said, only believe. And boy, that's hard for us. Really, isn't it? Because we judge by the hearing of our ears. We judge by the seeing of our eyes. <laughs> God turns the whole world upside down and says, we no longer judge by the hearing of our ears or the sight of our eyes. We judge by your word. We weigh things in the balance with God's truth on this side and whatever else the other stuff is on this side. And you, you as an individual, every one of us are free moral agents. God made us that way. So it's up to us to make what? A choice. I choose the truth. Hallelujah. You choose the truth. And just a couple more verses, then I'll stop. Hallelujah. Say, I'll believe that when I see that. Paul again, but let me read verse four again in first, first Timothy six. He's talked about people. He said, one verse three again, they don't assent, they do not assent to sound 
and wholesome message of the Lord. Jesus Christ is the word. They're puffed up with pride, stupefied with conceit, and yet they're woefully ignorant in God's eyes. They have a morbid fondness for controversy. Now, seriously, do you know anybody like that that just loves to debate? I mean, they just like to make anything an argument. I mean, I'm telling you, I don't care what it is. Well, this is what I think. 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 And this is what I think. Until, you know, the old joke, they've given so much. I just, you know, I gave them a piece of my mind. And, you know, they gave them so many pieces of the mind, they got no mind left. You know, you know what I mean? You know, you know what I mean? A morbid fondness for controversy and disputes. And they don't realize, see, they don't think it's strife about words, but it is. It's just, this is why to, to those who've been with Christ, you can put something in front of a man who's been with Christ and in front of a man who's not actually paid the price or not been with Christ. And then I guarantee we'll see two different things. One will see a huge problem. One will see the great opportunity. One will see something to pray about. One will see something to curse. I mean, you know, it's just, that's the way it is. Gossip. Nobody in here ever gossips. You're all super holy, so I have no problem there. They dispute, they strife about words which result, the results, the results are envy, jealousy, quarrels, dissension, abuse, insults, slander, base suspicions. Now, in the same chapter, right towards the end, um, verses 20 and 21, as Paul finishes this first epistle to Timothy, he said, O Timothy, guard and keep the deposit that's been entrusted to you. Turn away from the irreverent babble and godless chatter with the vain and empty and worldly phrases and the subtleties and the contradictions in what is falsely called, what is falsely called knowledge and spiritual illumination. Boy, we could camp there. But listen, what he's saying. He said, people are going to say they've been illumined by God. God has said this to me. I have a new revelation. In counseling over my 33, 30, whatever years of ministry, I've had many people come to me, like I said, and say, I've got a new revelation. God spoke. Now, how many know in counting the moment somebody says God spoke to me, that's basically the end of the session. Because, you know, otherwise you just say, you know, honestly, you're a liar. God never said that to you, I can guarantee you, because it doesn't line up with the verses. But anyhow, God's given me this incredible revelation. And they've shared revelations with me that were revelation. I mean, and I always remember, and I, I, you know, it was a joke for a while, but then when it happens to you a few times, they, I try to talk with them, whatever, they walk out the door, the door shuts, and I lean back and go, Phew. what do you think about that, Lord? And the Lord looked down at me and said, man, that hit revelation was so deep, I'd never even heard of it. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I got revelations, man, it's so big, even God was blown away by that one. But <laughs> Timothy, guard, and you've got to, you know, Proverbs, guard your heart above all that you guard because out of it flow the issues of life. Or like it says, out of your heart, issues or brings forth life. Whatever's in your heart will begin to live. Do you hear that? Whatever's in your heart will begin to live in your environment. If there's jealousy in your heart, it will begin to live in your life. If there's strife there, if there's anger It'll begin to manifest. You've got to guard your heart from that crap, sorry, coming in. you just got to guard your heart. 
you don't like, and, and again, I'm repeating myself, but if any of you that have ever done any gardening, again, will you agree with me that you never have to go to a B&Q or a garden shop and buy weed seed? <laughs> Weeds just come, don't they? They're carried by the fowls of the air. And by strange breezes and winds, just like God in Scripture over and over again refers to the work of demonic spirits. Now, you all know I'm not a devil chaser. You know that. But the first thing Jesus said is, he said, you'll cast out devils. And a lot of stuff is just an influence where you're, you've made a wrong decision. But sometimes if you hold on to something so long, you will indeed, like Paul's. Remember, Paul said, give no place to the devil. You, you have to open a door to demonic deception. That's why you need to shut that dough quick. And the way you know it is when you know the truth. That's all I can, you know. You can tell me all day long that I've never been to the Grand Canyon. I can't help it. I've been there. You know what I mean? Seriously, think about it. I, I remember, like I said, when I was teaching in the Bible school, you know, I'd harangue somebody. I'd, you know, look at Jonathan in the front row and I'd say, you know, your name's not really Jonathan. Why don't you tell everybody what your real name is? Remember, I'd use that illustration. Well, tell everybody what your real name is. And the guy would go, no, my name's Jonathan. I said, no, it isn't. No, it isn't. You know your name is not. I've seen your birth certificate. I've seen your application form. Your name isn't Jonathan. It is too, Jonathan. No, it isn't. Why are you doing this? Why are you embarrassing me in the middle of the class? You know that you know that you know that your name. I've got your birth certificate. I got a copy of it. Your name isn't Jonathan. And some guys would fight with me and start getting up and you know and find it. But I always cracked up at the few when I do that illustration. We go, okay, okay, my name's Jonathan. <laughs> you know. And the thing is, what I was trying to teach us said, hell works through intimidation. He tries to destroy any identity that you might have in Christ. And the thing is, hopefully, nobody can talk you out of what your name is. But see, your name is written here. Your identity is lost in Christ. <sighs> Anyhow, well, that's what it says. Timothy, guard, keep the deposit entrusted to you. Turn away from the irreverent babble and godless chatter with the vain and the empty and the worldly phrases and the subtleties and the contradictions in what is falsely called knowledge and spiritual illumination. Verse 21, for by making such profession, some have erred and missed the mark as regards the faith. Grace to you. For by making such profession. Some have erred and missed the mark as regards the truth. If I go any further, I'm going to open up a bunch of the doors, so I'm going to stop here, but I just want to just finish by just chatting at you for a minute. There is, again, only one thing that is an absolute, again, guard against the lie, and that is the truth of Jesus Christ. What else do you want me to tell you? Because that's the only, that's the only answer there is. Please, that's the only answer there is. Paul said, remember what that angel said to Paul? It said, or Jesus said to Paul on the road to Damascus when he was blinded. He said, Paul, Paul, why do you keep kicking against these goads, these pricks that are constantly, he said, these things that have been trying to get you to recognize and acknowledge the truth. Why do you keep kicking against this stuff 
that's trying to bring you into salvation. We're trying to bring you into truth. Would you please quit being your own worst enemy? Ask yourself a question. So even as we stop this morning, like I said, ask yourselves questions. How many, how much time do you spend in just useless conversation, bantering about stuff that only leads to a lack of peace, or more or more frightening, begins to destroy the precept of the very love of God. Is it causing nearness or is it bringing distance? You hear me? <laughs> this is the key to life. It's the key to life. We unashamedly, boldly proclaim that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings, that He is the Lord of Lords, that His Word is truth forevermore. Heaven and earth itself will pass away. But these words, my friend, <laughs> I'm sorry, tough if you, but they will never be redundant. They will never pass away. This is eternal truth. That's been laid out for us that we might finally find out what freedom is. How many of you are free in Christ? I mean, really free. Father, we give you thanks this morning. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday.